the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, good morning, everyone. I hope you're having a blessed Saturday and uh, hope you're having a blessed week uh, for that matter. Uh, I am uh, basically uh, your host, Al Fadi, and um, I'd like to welcome you to Let Us Reason Radio on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. We're excited today to have a dear uh, brother with us uh, who's been with us before. His name is Salam Kornish, and uh, uh, you recall probably a couple of months ago we had him uh, on our radio show to talk about various um, topics related to the insider movement, and he at that time alluded also to a method called the Camel Method. Well, um, I'd like to have Brother Salam, uh, first of all, um, uh, give us once again a brief introduction about his background uh, for those of you uh, maybe who haven't had a chance yet to listen to some of those interviews in the past and uh, had no idea about his background. Uh, Salam, welcome aboard, Brother. Uh, Thank you so much for taking this time to do this. And uh, uh, why don't you give our audience just a a brief background uh, about yourself? Yeah, perfect. Well, after I studied theology, uh, I was called by uh, God to go to uh, West Africa. And in West Africa, we worked among the people group that had brought Islam to that area. That people group is composed of about 3.2 million uh, Muslims. Of that, at present, there are some 200 Christians. So this is very, very much uh, virgin territory. And the country where we worked had only been open to the gospel since about 1985. That meant uh, a wonderful thing of a high degree of collaboration between different organizations. And at that time, I also made it my, made it kind of a assignment to myself to kind of understand what was underneath the skin of people, of the Muslim people who we worked with. That is to say, you know, you can read the books, the official books of doctrine, and it's this many pillars and it's this many points and all that. But um, in more of the, when the rubber hits the road, like when I asked a worker after someone died, you know, what happens to this man? And he said, you know, it's the big lottery. We can only hedge our bets. Well, when you hear things like that, you say, okay, now there's something going on in this religion. There's a, fee- a factor of fear uh, that it, you don't just see in the books and you don't just, you know, with all of the bravado of uh, <clears throat> the ISIS kind of people, you don't see that, but there's a certain fear and anxiety. 
And so I kept doing those studies. And at that same time, while we were working there, then the insider movement came along into that region. And people said, this is the next best thing since sliced bread. And it's going to revolutionize. In, in fact, they used the word, this is a new paradigm. And uh, <clears throat> now Muslims can stay in the mosque and declare themselves to be, uh, I don't know what they are, Christians, Muslims, Muslims or something. And uh, so I, I started looking at the biblical texts that were behind that and just said, this is very, very bad news. Um, thereafter, we moved to the Middle East and uh, we saw a different type of Islam in front of us, whereas in West Africa, we experienced a very, what you might call a laissez-faire, a, a little bit live and let live Islam that had a lot of animism, um, amulets and witch doctors and all that uh, mixed in with it. When we moved to the Middle East, there was much more of a fundamentalist Type of Islam, and again, I made made it my business to kind of understand how did the, this thinking come about with the likes of um, Said Qutb and other thinkers of that region who said we need to roll the clock back to the golden days of the first caliphs. So that's in a very brief uh, nutshell, uh, kind of uh, where I am, and uh, glad to be on your show. Thank you. And uh, obviously, we invested uh, in this show uh, a long, long, long uh, hours talking about the inside of movement. And uh, I'm thankful that you played a part of that uh, in a couple of interviews we had. Now, let me ask you this question, brother. Um, is it possible for us to find truth about the true God and Christ in non-biblical sacred text? Let me be specific. In my case, of course, I come from a Muslim background. So the Quran, for instance, generally speaking, and then maybe focus on the Quran. Well, it's uh, it's getting pretty in vogue uh, these days to say, oh, yeah, you could find uh, you could find truth in in any uh, sacred text. Um, now, there are those who say, well, you know, if we just uh, we make Hinduism, if we can just make it flourish and bloom, because it's just the gospel waiting to happen. Um, a writer named Gerald McDermott wrote a book called Can Evangelicals Learn from World Religions, Jesus, Revelation, and Religious Traditions? Well, McDermott, he, uh, he himself says that uh, it's good to, um, we may even be able to learn from Buddha. Um, uh, and learned, he even used the word, we can learn the word of God from Buddha. Now that book, if there was ever a book that had messages, it's that he tries so hard at one point, at one, on one side to sound so orthodox. And on the other hand, he's just, he's just bowing all over the place to, oh, we can learn this in Confucianism. We can learn this from Islam, we can learn this from uh, Taoism. And it's as if McDermott says, you know, I'm more interested in finding these little truthlets in other religion because somehow the spirit of Jesus has planted truth in all of those things. Uh, he has a section on uh, Islam in his book. 
But if you read what he says about Jesus, he's obviously not reading it through Muslim eyes. He's reading it completely through Christian eyes. And I think that's highly problematic. So, um, taking his view, do we have any tangible evidence that people who followed Buddha or Confucian or any other religions like this came to know the true God on their own? Well, if we if we go back to um, Acts 14, the people at Lystra, Paul's talking to these people at Lystra, uh, the Lycaonians. And the Lycaonians, they had all of the evidences of the true God around them. They had the sun, they had the sky, they had rain, they had the provision. And yet, what did that all, all lead to? That led to the worship of Zeus and Hermes. And that's why they called the Apostle Paul Zeus, <coughs> excuse me, Hermes and Barnabas Zeus. Um, and so one Bible commentator says this natural religion does not lead to Christianity, but it actually leads to idolatry. And so uh, what what we need to understand, I think, in this is as a former Buddhist monk said, he said, the devil packages things in very, very alluring methods. And so what Buddhism has done is packaged a, an alternate to the one true God of the Bible by a very, very seductive means. And he said that seduction is very, very strong. And it's completely an alternate to the biblical God. And this is what every religion is doing. Without a doubt. And, uh, you know, you mentioned national, natural religion. And also I've read before about natural theology. Could you shed some light on these terminologies? Sure. Um, natural theology is kind of a uh, technical word. Basically, it says that um, <clears throat> that humans can gain particular knowledge and even saving knowledge about God just by observing the natural order. So that's where the natural comes in. That is, you don't need to have a special revelation of who this triune God is. You can actually just see it out there. Um, natural religion is a little bit of the same kind of thing. That is to say, it doesn't require the supernatural revelation. That is to say, biblical revelation. Okay. Well, um, I'm looking, for instance, right now at Romans 1. Very famous, of course, uh, passage is found in chapter 1, verse 18. And here's what it reads. I'm reading from the ESV. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Listen now what it says. Who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Notice the evidence here is that they are the culprit here. 
they're the guilty party. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So this passage right there goes against any teaching that uh, we've been so far discussing, and we will continue to discuss this show and next show, about the possibility of allowing man, who is undegenerate, by the way, to find truth in anything outside of the source of truth. Our Lord, in his prayer to the Father in John 17, 17, says, your word is truth. Notice, he didn't say your word is the truth. He said your word is truth, which means the source of all truth. Exactly. So I'm not so sure that really, brother, how can man then justify uh, and deceive others? I mean, I feel sorry for those who are being deceived by uh, making them believe that, yeah, you can go to your book and find truth in there. Yeah, I, I, I think that we just have to be a little bit precise about, you see, this word truth is just thrown all over the place. Um, let's take, for instance, in uh, ancient uh, Egypt, they had um, these pharaonic texts, for instance, the Book of the Dead. And the Book of the Dead talked about uh, an afterlife. And the Book of the Dead talked about a judgment. So we could get all gaga about the fact that, you know, there's truth in there because it, the afterlife is a fact and judgment is a fact. The problem is that Book of the Dead is part and parcel of a, a much bigger worldview. These sacred texts don't just, they're not just some little thing off to the side. They're part and parcel of the entire worldview, whether it's the Islamic worldview, whether it's the Buddhist worldview, the Hindu worldview, or in this case, the Pharaonic Egyptian worldview. Those worldviews, as you alluded to from the Romans, those worldviews are couched in the fact that humans, although they can grasp truth, so they're truth holders, but the moment they have it, they suppress it and they twist it in, in unrighteousness. So uh, I think we want to be real careful that um, we don't use the word truth too glibly. Um, and that's why Francis Schaeffer, he, he liked to use the word true truth because everyone was saying, well, you know, all truth is God's truth. And therefore, blah, 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 blah. Well, I think even that statement, all truth is God's truth, because then, of course, you could say, well, all little truths in the Quran, maybe the Quran says something accurate about something somewhere, and you would know better than I, to say all truth is God's truth. You also have to realize that um, um, <clears throat> the Bible refers to the devil as the father of lies. And lies are always a mixture of truth and lies. They're never just bald-faced lies. It's, it's a, little bit of, uh, a little bit of truths and a whole lot of lie mixed together. Like, you know, they say that rat food is 98% um, good food. Well, it's the 2% cyanide that kills you. 
So uh, that's, I think, where we have to get pretty clear on these definitions because uh, it, one of the listeners could say, well, you know, I heard someone say, all truth is God's truth, therefore. Well, I might reply, all lies are Satan's lies, and all of Satan's lies are mixed with little bits of truth in them. Yep. And, um, I mean, certainly um, uh, no one denies that it is quite possible uh, there are things in any book uh, that could be uh, a shade of that truth that we know, biblically speaking. The Quran, for instance, did say that Jesus is the Word of God. Well, that's true. But is that really how Muslims view Jesus, like the Bible teaches about what that means? Of course not. Is that how the Muslim scholars and commentators view it from a biblical standpoint? Of course not. So, um, you know, then it makes sense that no Muslims came to know Christ on their own for the last 14 centuries just by reading the Quran. They still needed an outside agent, plus the Word of God and the work of the Holy Spirit, to be able to begin to discern who is Jesus and their need for a Savior. Islam teaches, for instance, that people will be judged after death. Well, Bible teaches about that in uh, uh, in uh, basically uh, the book of um, uh, Hebrews, it teaches that uh, it was appointed for man to live and uh, uh, once and then uh, judgment that will come after that. So that's a biblical truth. But how do Muslims view that? Well, they view that that they can save themselves by works. So there is no need for a savior. So that's not biblical truth. And, and this is why it gets a little bit confusing to me when I see movements like uh, uh, Jesus and the Quran used to be Jesus in the Quran, so now he is and the Quran. So uh, it's even worse now. Not only he was inside the Quran, now he is uh, him and a Quran are two agents now for salvation. Nevertheless, wow. um, you know, I, I'm really baffled by how not only the movements itself, by churches that even allow such movements to come and defile our biblical truth by inviting such movements. Your comments. Exactly, exactly. But when you read McDermott's book, if you're not reading it with very critical eyes, I mean, it it is put in such a package that it is completely de designed to disarm you. Ra, 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 I'm so orthodox. And then slip in a little bit. Yes, you can learn the word of God from Buddha. Or the spirit of Jesus in it is in all of these religions. And then he missed, he twists John 1 verse 5. There's, uh, not everything is, is exactly what meets the eye. Right. Well, if you're tuning in uh, with us right now, you are listening to Let Us Reason Radio. I'm your host, Al Fadi. And with me here, Brother Salam Karnish, and we're talking about um, uh, this question, is it possible uh, for anyone to find truth about Christ and salvation? Uh, that's the main focus, really, at the end, uh, in non-biblical sacred books or texts like the Quran, for instance. So, uh, brother, talk to me now about some of the Christian attitudes toward the Quran, at least progressively, if we go back maybe to the 17th, 18th, 19th century. Sure. If, if I could start at the present and work a little bit backwards, you have the material on the website of the Abrahamic Alliance. 
And the material on the website of the Abrahamic Alliance says, you know, we have to respect the texts of the others. Uh, we can't critique them. Inside of each text is true, and that truth is good for their religion, and our truth is good for our religion, and let's just talk together and um, maybe sing Kumbaya. What that has done is basically cut out any of the particularity, any of the uh, <clears throat> exclusive nature of the Bible. Um, it has gutted the need for conversion. It has gutted the need for someone to actually leave the Quran and its teachings and come as the Apostle Paul would say, out of darkness into light. So that's that's as recent almost as it gets. I was at a conference not long ago, and at that conference, um, there was a gentleman there who said, God has ensured that witness to himself and his son Jesus has been embedded within Islam. He said, Islam is partly mistaken, but mostly full of half-completed and suppressed truth. It began on the right kind of, to build the right kind of house, but it went off course. Wow. Again, this defies the imagination. This is a so-called uh, missionary thinker. And basically saying that just inside of Islam is the gospel in seed form. That crazy idea of the gospel in seed form, you could roll things back again to, um, to the likes of um, Hans Kuhn, the Roman Catholic. He said, through Muhammad, God has spoken to mankind. Or... Kenneth Craig um, said, we need to find the Christian potential of the Quran. And it, it, Christians need to study so that we can find all of its deeply pro-Christian emphasis. I'm not sure uh, what Quran uh, they're reading, but um, <clears throat> go back a little bit farther. 1947, Montgomery Watt. It is, first, it is of first important to try to find a positive attitude towards Muhammad and the Quran one that acknowledges whatever is true and admirable in them. Yeah. I have a quotation here, as a matter of fact, uh, even before that, um, uh, from uh, um, uh, Isaac Taylor. And this is what he says. I'm just going to read just a couple of lines. He says, Muslims are already imperfect. And actually, he says imperfect Christians, actually. Let us try to perfect their religion rather than vainly endeavor to destroy it. Now, this is really a very damaging statement because all I'm saying here, if I read something like this and think about it this way, and I have truly believed this lie, that in this case, uh, Islam is uh, uh, no other than a uh, corruption of Christianity. In fact, John of Damascus uh, thought of Islam this way. He thought it was a heresy, as a matter of fact. So, uh, this goes against, by the way, the teaching of the Islam itself. Islam, in the Quran, teaches that Islam has been perfected. The prophet of Islam, before his death, had his own sermon. He says, today I have perfected your religion. 
So Muslims don't view it as an imperfect religion. They view it as the perfect religion. As a matter of fact, they view Christianity as the imperfect one. So um, uh, it's definitely a, a heartbreaking um, uh, you know, topic. And uh, brother, our time is up. And I would like uh, for us to continue this discussion when we meet again next week. Uh, uh, hopefully your time will permit for that. Uh, if you've been, uh, if you just tuned in uh, to uh, our uh, show, Let Us Reason Radio uh, on Faith Talk thirteen sixty KPXQ, you've been listening to uh, this wonderful interview with a dear brother, Salam Cornish, on the possibility uh, or lack of, for that matter, uh, to use non-biblical text to find truth in it. Until we meet again next week, um, have yourself a blessed week, and uh, we look forward to. Uh, having our brother again with us next week. Lord bless you. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.